on this episode, Sarah becomes Sarah and she will have her very own son. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Live Through Jesus with Courtney Gilmore. I'll be reading all the scripture references for you, so you're free to just sit back, listen, and absorb, or you can grab your Bible and read along. Most of the time, I'll be reading from the New King James Version, but if I switch, I'll let you know. At the beginning of each episode, I'll introduce the titles, so if you want the entire study in writing, you can go to livethroughjesus.com and buy it for under $5. Each one will cover two to three months' worth of episodes, and once you buy, then it'll be immediately available for download. In addition to a little extra studying, it also allows you the benefit of some charts and keyword definitions, but it isn't necessary. Okay, so let's get started. This is episode 17, and today we'll be going over lesson 8 of the Abraham study. Last episode, we read in Genesis 17, and we talked about how God changed Abram's name to Abraham making him the father of many nations. He also gave Abraham a command that would set his people apart from all the rest of the nations. If you happen to miss that episode, you might want to go back and listen because we also talked about uncovering our hearts and making sure there's no barrier between us and God. Now this week, we're going to go back to chapter 17 and discuss the middle section of that passage because it kind of ran into chapter 18, and so I skipped it last episode and saved it for this one. So let's begin reading in Genesis 17:15. Then God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her, and I will also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man that's a hundred years old? And should Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might also live before you. And then God said, No, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, and with his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him, and will make him fruitful, and multiply him exceedingly. He will beget twelve princes, and I will make him a great nation." But my covenant I establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this set time next year. So for the birth of her own son, God also changes Sarah's name to Sarah. Sarah means my princess, but Sarah just means princess. This is because now she's going to be a princess to many. It's not singular anymore. It's plural. That's what God has done for both of their names. It's not just for one anymore. It's for many. Because they are going to have a son together and all of the nations will be blessed through that son. By the time this son is born, it'll have been 25 years since they were called out of the land of Ur and given the initial promise that their descendants would inherit the land. 25 years. No wonder they got impatient. 
Because God had been telling them all that time that they would be having children and that the land would belong to them and the nations would be blessed because of them. And it's not until now that that promise of a child will be fulfilled. That is such a long time for us to wait. But in the grand scheme of things, it's not a long time because God is eternal. Listen to what the psalmist says in chapter 90. Lord, You have been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn man to destruction and say, return, O children of men, for a thousand years in your sight is like yesterday when it passes and like a watch in the night. You carry them away like a flood. They are like a sheep in the morning. They are like grass, which grows up. In the morning it flourishes and grows. In the evening it's cut down and withers. For we have been consumed by your anger, and by your wrath we are terrified. You've set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your countenance. For all our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh. The days of our lives are seventy years, and if by reason of strength they are eighty years. Yet their boast is only in labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, so is your wrath. So teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? And have compassion on your servants. O satisfy us early with your mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days in which you have afflicted us, the years in which we have seen evil. Let your work appear to your servants and your glory to their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be on us and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. So this verse explains that a thousand years is like yesterday to God. In comparison to eternity, our lives really are pretty short, obviously. So 25 years to God is nothing. It even says that most people live like 70 years, 80 if we're lucky. But God's watching generation after generation. Think about how a young child can't even understand the concept of time. How hard it is to explain hours and days to them. To a three-year-old, 30 minutes is forever. And then when we're teenagers, it seems like everything that's going on is the most important thing in the world. But when we become adults, we realize that those few years as a teenager were just a tiny fraction of our lives. And then when we're 25, 50 sounds old. But when we're 50, 75 sounds old. And then when we're 75, it seems just like yesterday that we were 20. So when we're at the end of our lives, it's going to feel like the blink of an eye, just like yesterday, just like it is to God. So even though this has been a very long time for Abraham and Sarah to wait, it really isn't anything to God. Also, realize it's been 25 years since the initial promise, but it's been 13 years since they took matters into their own hands with Ishmael. You know, I just have to wonder what would have happened if they hadn't have done that. Would they have been able to have their own child sooner? Was God just waiting for Ishmael to get just a little bit older before he brought Isaac on the scene? You just never know. Either way, Abraham's going to be 100 years old and Sarah's going to be 90 whenever Isaac's born. And that makes Abraham laugh just to think about. Coincidentally, Isaac's name means he laughs. But Abraham's still concerned about Ishmael. 
He loves him, and Ishmael's the one that he intended the promise to be fulfilled through. But here, God's telling him that's not the case. That was never what God intended. The entire time, God intended for Abraham and Sarah to have a son of their own, and that the promise of inheriting this land and becoming a great nation was all going to be through that son. But God has compassion on Abraham, and he reassures him that Ishmael will become a great nation also, and he'll be the father of 12 sons, which is exactly what he did with Hagar when she ran away before Ishmael was even born. I want to skip over now to Genesis 25, because I want you to see that God does fulfill this promise. Beginning in verse 12. Now this is the genealogy of Ishmael, Abraham's son, that Hagar the Egyptian, Sarah's maidservant, bore to Abraham. These were the names of the sons of Ishmael by their names according to their generations. And I'm actually not going to read these because they're just going to be too hard to pronounce. So we're going to skip down to verse 16 and it says, These were the sons of Ishmael and these were their names by their towns and their settlements, twelve princes according to their nations. So that's what I wanted you to see, that he does have 12 princes just as God promised him. And then I'm going to go ahead and just finish out this part about Ishmael because it's only two more verses. It says in verse 17, These were the years of the life of Ishmael, 137. And he breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people. They dwelt from Hivala as far as Shur, which is east of Egypt as you go towards Assyria. And he died in the presence of all his brothers. So his family settled in the Arabian desert, and he died when he was 137 years old. This is 45 years after his father Abraham dies, and 57 years before Isaac. And something else that's very interesting is, you know, Abraham is through the line of Shem, Noah's son. And Shem is actually still alive when Ishmael and Isaac are born, 10 generations later, because he lived to be around 600 years old. Also, their genealogy is recited in 1 Chronicles 1, 29 through 31, in case you want to go back and look at that. Anyway, I just want you to see that God did fulfill his promise about Ishmael, but he still says that his initial promise will be fulfilled through Isaac and not through Ishmael. Okay, so we're going to move on. We read the rest of this chapter last episode, so we're going to skip on down to chapter 18 and see how Sarah reacts when she's told that she's going to have her own child. Beginning in verse 1, Then the Lord appeared to him, Abraham, by the terebinth trees of Mamre, as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked, And behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by inasmuch as you have come to your servant. And they said, Do as you said. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, Quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal. Knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd, took a tender and good calf, gave it to the young man, and he hastened to prepare it. So he took butter and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. 
and he stood by them under the tree as they ate. Then they said to him, Where is Sarah your wife? And he said, Here in the tent. And they said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I've grown old, shall I have this pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child, since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying that she didn't laugh because she was afraid. And he said, No, you did. (laughs) Okay, so God comes back to Abraham not long after he had come to him the first time and changed his name. And as soon as Abraham saw the three men, he immediately knew who they were, and he offered them food and rest. Now, some think that all three of these were angels, just messengers of the Lord. And some believe that one was the pre-incarnate Jesus and the other two were angels. And the reason they believe that is because it keeps saying one specific was talking to him with great authority. Either way you believe on that, we know that they were messengers of God at the very least and had authority to bring his message. And so Abraham fed them and sat and talked with them while they ate. And they told him again that by that time next year, Sarah would have a son of her very own. And when Sarah heard this, she began to laugh to herself. Notice that God doesn't punish her for laughing, but he did call her out because she's scared and she's doing it. And he said, oh, no, you did. You did laugh. But you'll see. It's no use lying to God. He always knows whether we acknowledge or not. So we may as well just tell him. And he tells her there's nothing too hard for him. Notice also that she's past the age of childbearing. Often people say, well, Sarah had a child when she was 90 and they lived longer back then. And so their age probably wasn't quite like our age. But obviously it's very similar because it says that she is past the age of childbearing. She is done with menopause. There is no more having kids except through God's miraculous intervention. And so God tells her, you will conceive at the age of 89. I want you just for a moment to think about that because a lot of times we look at the stories in the Bible and we think these things don't happen today. They don't matter. But why did God put them in there? Maybe he won't make a woman that's past the age of childbearing have a child today, but We know we can. We know God has the capability because he's shown us that in his word. And so if he can do this for Sarah and Abraham, doesn't it stand a reason that he can do whatever seems impossible in our lives? He specifically says nothing is too hard for him. He is able to do anything that he so chooses to do. And so when we pray to him and we ask him for things, we need to ask with the full belief that he is able to do anything, that nothing is too hard for him. Hebrews 11 is considered the faith chapter. And in this chapter, it talks about Sarah and her faith. So I want you to listen to this in verse 11 and 12. It says, By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised her. 
Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. So this is telling us that Sarah was given this child by God and she had faith in him and that Abraham physically was as good as dead. The seed in him was as good as dead, but God made him alive and capable of having a child at a hundred years old. This just proves that God is able to do anything that he chooses. He is not limited by the rules of this earth because he created the rules of this earth. So why would they limit him? Now, just as we skipped ahead to the fulfillment of the promise for Ishmael, we're going to go ahead and skip ahead to the fulfillment of Isaac's birth, which is the promise that God has made here. So let's look at Genesis 21, 1 through 7. It says, And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and born Abraham a son in his old age at the set time in which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah born to him, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God has commanded him. Now Abraham was one hundred years old when Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made me laugh, and all that hear will laugh with me. She also said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? For I have borne him a son in his old age. So this word visited in verse 1 where it says the Lord visited Sarah as he had said that he would. This gives the impression of a very special visit from God because only with God's specific intervention can a woman have a child at this age. And then it states how God did exactly what he said and he came to them at the exact time that he told them that he would. And that just lets us know that God is completely fulfilling his promise. He's coming back to them and saying, this is all happening just as I told you it would. And then not only did God do exactly as he said he would, but Abraham also did as he had promised. And he named his son Isaac and he circumcised him on the eighth day. Notice that Sarah confirms Isaac's name that means he laughs by saying that God has made her laugh. Basically, he's given her joy with this son. And then also that everyone else will laugh with her. Everyone else is going to think how crazy this is that this woman just had a son at the age of 90. And they're going to have joy with her. Isaac brings joy and happiness to the whole earth because it's through him that the promise was fulfilled. So God continues to show himself faithful and true to Abraham, and Abraham continues to be faithful and obedient to God. When Joshua is bringing the people into this land that God is promising to them at this moment, he reminds the people of all of the things that began with God's promise to Abraham. In chapter 24 of Joshua, verse 3, it says, Then I took your father Abraham from the other side of the river, led him throughout all the land of Canaan, and multiplied his descendants, and gave him Isaac. So just remember that God can fulfill his promise to us. If he can do these things for Sarah, he can definitely do these things for us. Feel free to email me with any thoughts that you have about this lesson. My email address is Courtney at LiveThroughJesus.com. Also, leave comments in any of the places that you've been listening and a good review if you'd like to help me out. 
Next episode, we're going to be talking about what happens in the meantime while they are waiting on the birth of Isaac. God's destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah is something that's famously considered as one of God's most wrathful moments. But if you look at the passage before the destruction, you'll see that really God is so very compassionate. And so please join me for that episode because I want you to see God's love and mercy in a time in history when people generally look at him as very wrathful. So make sure that you subscribe so that you don't miss that episode. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Thank you.